Well, why don't we uh, go ahead and get started, uh, if everybody could uh, listen up. So good evening, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Dan Canelli from the city's Economic Development Division. I'm the project manager for the public market effort. Uh, I'm just going to hold this mic because it has to be really close to my face to work. So let me know if it's too loud or not loud enough or anything like that. So um, so thanks for coming. Uh, as I imagine most of you know, we're here tonight to talk about the first draft of the public market business plan, and we've got some hopefully fun and uh, interesting exercises planned for you. Um, first, I'm going to start with kind of a hopefully relatively brief presentation to just sort of go over the project and the business plan and uh, what we've done so far and some initial findings. Um, and then we're going to do some breakout sessions where, um, like I said, we're going to do some hopefully interesting exercises in small groups. Uh, for those of you who are at the brainstorming at 100 State a few weeks ago, this is a little bit like that, but, but some of them are different too, so it should be different and fun. Uh, before we get started, just to kind of um, get a sense of who's here, so how many of you are here because you're interested in the public market as potentially a place to sell things? Okay, so it looks like maybe half, 30%. And how many of you are here because you're interested in the public market as a place to buy things? Okay, most of the rest of the room. And how about people who are just interested in the public market as a place to kind of hang out? Looks like that's just about everybody. So, great. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming. I hope that the, um, you know, that the prospective vendors and the prospective buyers all get to know each other since, you know, these are your future customers. Um, so, uh, so with that, I'm just going to kind of get into it and go through uh, sort of a hopefully quick presentation about the project. So as I said tonight, I'm going to give an overview presentation, then we're going to do these group exercises, and then we're going to have some final thoughts. Um, you may have noticed there's a lot of uh, technological equipment in the room. Uh, our cable channel uh, is here, and we're live streaming this uh, online. And the people participating online um, can, um, uh, as it says here, click on the speech bubble if you want to ask a question, uh, and click on the little pie chart symbol if you want to complete an online poll. And then uh, at the end, when we do some reporting out, we'll see if anybody's submitted any questions, and we'll uh, do some participation with the folks at home as well. Uh, so the uh, presentation is kind of uh, oriented around these three big questions. So first, why are we looking at a public market and not you know, something else? Uh, second, what's the vision for the public market at the kind of high level? And then finally, what's the business plan? What are the details? So first, why are we talking about a public market? Uh, I, I think that this conversation should always start at the regional level. Uh, here, you know, we see Madison with our lovely little lakes nestled here in south-central Wisconsin. And, you know, we're in a very rich and diverse food region. We have the Driftless area to our west with its, you know, rolling hills and diverse uh, agriculture, a strong food identity all its own. We have the Central Sands with specialty, you know, uh, fruits like cranberries and vegetables. We have Milwaukee and Chicago with a strong kind of urban agriculture identity. And we have the breadbasket to our south and west, which is where the commodity uh, agriculture is going on. So this is something that Madison has that other, you know, cities that are known as great food cities don't have. You know, we are, we are a special place. Um, this is reflected looking, narrowing the focus of the county. Dane County is still the number one egg producing county in Wisconsin and in the top 2% nationwide. Um, agriculture is responsible for about 17,000 jobs in the county. We've got about 3,000 farms. We've got about 3,000 uh, that should say people who are employed in food manufacturing uh, businesses. The initial estimates from the business plan suggest that the public market could have about a $22 million impact on our economy and create 200 plus jobs uh, permanently and over 200 construction jobs as well. Uh, you know, kind of stepping back to just think broadly about the food economy, you know, if we look at uh, the households in Madison and how much food they buy and were to say, just hypothetically, what if we could shift 20% of our food buying to local? So what if, what if we went from, you know, 5% local food buying, which is roughly where we are today, to 25%? The impact of that would be $70 million to our economy and could create almost 2,000 jobs. So, you know, I think when people talk about local food, there's a tendency to talk about it as kind of this cute, fun thing, but we're talking about potentially a major economic impact with projects like this. 
Also, as I imagine many of you know, the city has been uh, thinking a lot about racial equity and social justice uh, lately, um, and the city is uh, very conscientiously applying our equity tool to this project. And one of, the, one of the important things to keep in mind about public markets is they're great uh, startup business opportunities, for, particularly for people who might have lower incomes, might face barriers to, to starting businesses otherwise. Uh, this is an economic development project. It's not a community service project necessarily. This is about expanding economic opportunity. This is about creating jobs. This is about creating businesses. And this is something public markets uh, have historically always done very well. These are, you know, products uh, that either already exist or, or, you know, are growing or, uh, you know, have some relationship to, to public markets. You know, incidentally, Starbucks, you know, say what you will about Starbucks, but it's – you know, a, a business that started at a public market and really grew from there. Um, it's also, I think, worth pointing out that food service is a huge uh, pr creator of jobs in our economy right now. This is the top five uh, occupations in Dane County in terms of projected job growth over the next five years. And as you can see, number one and three are food-related, um, you know, with 13,000 jobs, give or take, being created in this sector. And as I think we all know, most of these jobs kind of look like this. These are poverty wage jobs with no real opportunities for en enhancement generally. And, you know, public markets can be a place that really change that, really shift what food can be for our economy and really be a platform for entrepreneurship, create small businesses. These are some small businesses that started at public markets. So this is kind of the opportunity, um, you know, creating a platform for entrepreneurship, building a great public space, a place that really celebrates our diversity and our diverse food culture, and really some, you know, a place that becomes the food epicenter of, of Madison and Dane County and southern Wisconsin. We're, we're known for this. We're known as a great food city. Our farmer's market is, is renowned. You know, we have great farm-to-table restaurants. Um, but... You know, we don't have a, a single, you know, standalone permanent place that is a representation of that, and that's one thing the public market can be. So that's sort of the why. Uh, the vision is uh, something like this. Um, create a multi-use market district with a mix of food retail, wholesale, and processing. Celebrate the abundance of our region. Support farmers and create businesses. Create a platform for economic opportunity and a welcoming community destination. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that the vision here is a, is a public market district. You know, a lot of questions uh, revolve around, well, isn't this just a farmer's market? And, you know, we have great farmer's markets in town um, with the Dane County Farmer's Market as the flagship, but they provide a, a niche service, a niche role of uh, seasonal, generally, uh, markets that operate a couple days a week, primarily produce, primarily retail. Stepping up to a, a public market, you know, think like the Milwaukee public market, an indoor place, a mix of prepared foods and processed foods, sort of a showcase of local products. You know, what we're talking about is, over time, creating a market district, a place that not only has retail but also processing and distribution, likely multiple buildings, a place that really evolves over time. It's done with the public and private sector working together. Um, you know, the business plan, so the draft business plan that we're really going to talk about tonight is really focused on the public market as the catalyst for this, but the long-term vision is a market district. So the, the site is uh, the old fleet services building at First and Johnson, uh, but the idea is the district is something that's kind of broader than that and encompasses all these redevelopment opportunities that are in that area. Widening the lens a little bit more, you know, a lot of people have been asking questions lately about, well, what does this public market mean for the farmer's market? What does it mean for this emerging project at the Garver Feed Mill? What does it mean for the feed kitchens? And I think the answer to that question is all of these emerging and longstanding assets and traditions can contribute to one another, and the public market can be the, the focal point of building a supply chain around local food. Um, you know, as I sort of kind of uh, in flowery language here, an emerging constellation of food assets, infrastructure, and businesses with the public market at the center. You know, we're not starting from scratch here. We have all of this energy and enthusiasm, projects, emerging initiatives around local food, and the public market, you know, the planning of it recognizes that and is, is geared towards building the center point. So all these things don't need to compete. Ultimately, it's about different niche uh, assets and infrastructure that provide different roles to really growing our food economy. So to uh, kind of get back down to the ground and talk about the business plan, uh, the business plan process was divided into these 
three phases, starting with uh, vendor outreach and market analysis, and then site selection, and then finally the detailed business plan. Uh, to go back to phase one, which was completed uh, many months ago, we started with uh, interviews with key stakeholders. We did some community meetings. We did focus groups and surveys. Uh, we, the consulting team we're working with did market analysis. A couple of things that came to light. One, we have a lot of vendors who are potentially interested in this project. Uh, you know, the vendor outreach went very well. But mostly what we're talking about here is small businesses, uh, fledgling entrepreneurs, uh, you know, small, mid-sized farmers, people who are looking at the public market as their chance to uh, build their business or grow their business. As you can see here, most of the folks we talk to are operations, be it farms or small businesses, that have fewer than five employees. We also surveyed the community. We got an unprecedented response to an online community survey. The city does surveys all the time. We usually get you know, 50, 100 responses. We got 2,000 responses, um, most of those in like the first 72 hours. Uh, and we asked the question, you know, do you like this idea? And 95% of the people who responded said yes. So I think there's you know, pretty deep support for this idea of a public market in the community, which is good. Uh, so a couple of things we learned from phase one. Uh, one, this idea that the public market needs to fit with existing assets. Um, you know, the city's role should always be to complement and be synergistic and really work with other things in the community. Uh, second, the vendor pool, as I mentioned, is mostly small farmers and entrepreneurs uh, with young enterprises. Uh, the community is enthusiastic about uh, the project. And then finally, um, you know, it was this effort that really led us to think about this as a market district and not just a single facility. So second, the site selection phase. This was really driven by, first, you know, what, what real estate is actually available for this project, which is important, uh, and kind of got lost in some of the discussions. Uh, second, input from the community, the preference of vendors, uh, things like access to transportation and visibility and uh, demographic analysis. Uh, ultimately, uh, the, the analysis got boiled down to these three sites. Uh, the site that was chosen, which is effectively the area around First and East Wash and Johnson, South Park Street, and then the Northside Town Center. Uh, in terms of traffic counts, the site on the east side um, was significantly better. In terms of bus, bus access, there's a lot more bus uh, access to this site. Uh, the, the gravity model analysis, which is sort of an assessment of retail strength, showed that the, the east side site um, kind of rose to the top. And we did survey the prospective vendors about this and said just in general terms, what side of town do you want to be on? Somewhat interestingly, the top choice was the west side. Uh, and then the east side was a close second with the other parts of town a little bit lower. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that in this project, the only people that we're going to be asking to take a personal financial risk to be part of this are our prospective vendors who are going to view this as a platform for entrepreneurship. If we don't have people signing up to do business here, we don't have a project at all. So that, that needs to be kind of at the top of um, the thinking when we think about, well, where should this be located and what should have in it? You know, what are the features and amenities? You know, it needs to work for the vendors. So the, the ultimate kind of rationale for the site was, uh, you know, one and two, first and foremost, uh, we have a site that has the fleet services operation on it. Uh, it's important to note they are planning to move one way or the other. Uh, that plan has been in process for years for fleet to move out of that building. Um, it's a great building to convert to a public market, so we're providing kind of a, a graceful transition for this existing city-owned structure. Uh, and then, you know, further down the list, the potential for the vendors to succeed in the preferences of vendors, um, the visibility and access to the site, uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a relatively dense uh, mixed uh, income area, which is a good thing because there's, you know, there's low-income people who live near, near there. There's high-income people who live near there, and that ultimately adds to the ability of the place to work as a, as a business uh, location and the potential to connect to the riverfront. So here it is in all its glory, the lovely uh, city-owned fleet building, a fine example of 50s architecture. Uh, if you look on the inside, you can kind of start to see why this is such an exciting building for this. It's got these great big open garages with, you know, 25-foot-high clear-span ceilings. It's actually, for a place that stores garbage trucks, it's phenomenally clean, too. So here's a shot from the, the second-floor mezzanine level looking into one of the two large garage bays. So that's the site. Then now we're in phase three of the business plan. Here's kind of the basics. Um, for those of you who took the time to read the document, you saw that uh, we're looking at three different potential floor plan options, cost, 
ranging from maybe nine to 14 million bucks. Um, you know, from talking to some construction experts, we think we might even be able to be significantly below that, um, but that, that'll get fleshed out. Uh, you know, we're looking for something that's operationally sustainable, so something that doesn't require ongoing subsidies, something that, that can break even. Um, and a, a key feature of the design is flexibility. Um, you know, with that building, we have the option to do a lot of different things, and we have the option for the public market to really evolve based on needs. So here's the preliminary floor plan. Just to orient you, the top of the screen is uh, towards First Street. The left side of the screen is towards Johnson Street. So the idea is the two uh, kind of gray areas, the gray area and the kind of uh, green area on the far right are, are the two big open garages. The idea is that the, the west hall, the, the large gray area, would be more permanent vending. The east hall would be more temporary vending. So the east hall could be a lot of different things, a big open room essentially, but it can be pop-up markets. It can be the potentially the home of the Dane County Farmer's Market in the winter, potentially, you know, Mad City Bazaar, you know, markets within markets special events, things like that, with the, uh, that gray area being more the permanent vending. And then the flanking areas are space for things like food aggregation and storage, uh, food processing, spaces maybe for people who want something larger than a stall to do food production as well as retail. Uh, the first option would essentially just be the two big halls. So it wouldn't include the flanking uh, larger spaces. The second option would add about 11,000 feet onto the building that would create these uh, sort of larger storefront type spaces. And then the third option would add stuff on the roof, a uh, rooftop cafe, plaza type space, rooftop garden, event space up on the roof. So the, uh, you know, not surprisingly, option one's the cheapest, option three is the most expensive. Uh, from our consultants analysis, however, um, you know, option one doesn't really work operationally. It would lose money because you lose all of that uh, potentially leasable space. Um, so, you know, these are the things we have to grapple with as well. What, you know, what budget can we absorb? How do we make this thing work? Um, you know, how do we get the right mix of vendors? How do we get the rent, rent structure right? Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, we are applying the city's equity lens to the project. Uh, Jordan Bingham is here. Who, maybe she can raise her hand. Who is uh, one of the leaders of the city's racial equity and social justice initiative. So we've been working with that initiative to evaluate the project through that lens, which has been very helpful and interesting. These are some of the things we've been doing on that front. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that has really emerged from that analysis is a recognition that uh, as this report about public markets as a vehicle for social integration upward mobility states, the, the, the social goals of public markets and the economic goals of markets are really intertwined. Um, as I've been um, kind of driving home a little bit, uh, you know, this report makes the point that the success of vendors really depends on their ability to create a profit. Uh, and that depends on the ability of the market to survive as an economic enterprise. So, you know, I think rather than viewing these things as in conflict, like, well, do we focus on making it successful as a business or do we focus on our equity goals? I think recognition that they're, that they're related is important. So that's the kind of three big questions. We've also done a whole bunch of community outreach. I won't go through this long list, but uh, we've done lots of meetings. We've done a lot of online engagement, lots of surveys, lots of focus groups. Um, you know, I, I would dare to say that we are, even in Madison's tradition of a lot of public involvement, we're, we're going above and beyond on that front. A couple of next steps. First, we're going to finalize the business plan over the next few months. That's what this discussion is about. Um, we need to do, create a new organization to run this thing. We need to do fundraising. Eventually, we need to get to leasing. Um, the fleet services building, uh, the timeline is, of that is a little bit uncertain. So we might have some conversations about provisional space that could happen in the meantime. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people are, are thinking about this project in terms of the facility, which is good. The facility is important, um, but the fleet building is likely still a ways out. So I think that to the extent that we can shift our thinking to less about the physical structure and more about how do we really continue to support this movement. Um, you know, I think one thing that has really surfaced from the last year and a half is that there's something going on in our community that's really positive, that's about local food, that's about food with integrity, that's about grassroots entrepreneurship, um, and around markets. Um, Mad City Bazaar now is up and running and is kind of leading the charge. Uh, they have the Dane County Farmers Market has a presence there, as does the Feed Kitchens and, you know, mentoring positives with uh, Off the Box also and a whole bunch of other vendors. So, you know, I think 
I think one thing we can think about as we move forward is recognizing that the fleet building is, is a ways out. Let's still continue to work together to build momentum. Let's eventually maybe find some provisional space to move into. And let's just kind of keep, keep this seed that we've germinated uh, growing and, you know, as we strive towards that north star of, of, of getting the fleet building retrofitted and up and running. So that's it. So um, for the rest of the evening, yes, thank you very much. So um, we've got, uh, we're right on schedule. So we've got three exercises planned. So how this is going to work is you have three large pieces of paper in front of you, and they correspond to three exercises. So what we're going to ask you to do is work with your group uh, to uh, respond to those, the prompts on the large pieces of paper. Take, uh, yeah, if you're, like, thank you for, for moving. If you're sitting and you're the only person at your table, uh, find another table. Um, and what we want you to do is take the markers and the post-its and use them, uh, you know, with abandon. So share ideas, jot things down, work together as your group. Um, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to spend about 15 minutes on each of these. Then when we're done with that 15 minutes, you're going to stand up and rotate to a different table and do the next exercise with a different group of people. And then you can do that again for the third exercise. Then when we're all done, uh, we'll open it up to, to kind of some Q&A. And we'll do some reporting out. We'll see if the folks at home had anything to add. Uh, and that'll, that'll be it. So, how, so this first exercise, again, this, for those of you who were at the thing at 100 State a few years ago, you saw this one already. This is called Bridges. How this works is you've got two columns. They are things that are seemingly contradictory about the public market or things that, you know, you could see a need for balance. So what we're going to ask you to do is work together to kind of fill in the center column where the bridges are with ideas. What are your solutions? What, you know, how can we address this seeming conflict? How can we kind of get through it? What are the right balances that we can make? What are, what are the right solutions there? So, uh, you know, work together with your table, write down ideas, and then when there's about five minutes left, we'll ask you to summarize those down to about three key ones, and we'll do some reporting out, and then we'll go on to the next exercise. Does that make sense? Fifteen, we'll do 20, 40. We'll do like 20 minutes for each one, and then, then we'll get out of here on time. So get started. Uh, let me know if you have questions. If you want to have somebody uh, draw for your group, that's fine. But, you know, everybody pick up markers and, and have at it. Let me know if you have questions. Thank you. I'm not sure if that bell really works. So uh, does everybody have their three big points, their three key points? You have 30 seconds to come up with your last thing that you want to share with everyone. All right, we're going to stop right here. Pencils down, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, this was it looked like a lot of really good discussion going on. So we're going to go around the room real quick and have every table, uh, you know, summarize one to three kind of key points from your discussion as quick as you can because we have a lot of tables. But what was one really salient key point that you want to emphasize, starting with this table here? Needs to be a viable mix of higher end and lower end vendors. Needs to be a viable mix of higher end and lower end vendors. Great. How about uh, this group? Uh, flexible use, uh, flexible leases, um, and co-op shared space for vendors and the timing of production. Mark. Take the mic. Uh, the sharing of spaces, uh, cooperative uses was our number one. Okay. Which one? What's our one? Oh, you can do two. Okay. The, the the importance of educating the public um, about the affordability of of options 
offered and the quality and the value of the products offered. Um, and then I, I think this last one here, vendors um, related to a couple things that have already been said. Vendors need lots of flexibility and need to know what their options are for um, uh, using the space. Do we need the mics? Sure. So can you hear me? Okay. So we have uh, maintaining some percentage of food-focused participants, but you can vary by season. Uh, we'll have a lot more fresh produce, obviously, in the summer and fall. Um, sort of mixing up the use of the space by time as well, so you can maybe do more wholesale and processing in early and late hours and then more retail during usual shopping hours, and then sort of overall working towards reciprocity between consumer and supplier. Okay. One of the things that we felt strongly about was um, the trying to balance the public market to support startup businesses and that it needs to sustain itself. So some of the things that we came up with were having a base rate of rent and then having it being a sliding scale in terms of, you know, when you first start out, you aren't making very much money. You pay little to nothing above that, and then once you start doing better and better, you pay, you know, um, a reasonable percentage thereof of your sales. Um, looking for possibly corporate donations, um, especially some of the ones that might feel a little guilty about <laughs> things. And then... Um, <laughs> And then also um, helping people out, even if it's just a brief description on a website, helping small vendors, letting them know about things like crowdfunding. Um, that just seems to be, you know, more and more that people go online and, and you know, GoFundMe. And I can't think of the other names of those sites, but some Kickstarter, yeah. And there's a real mix of some people really know what those are and how to use them, and some people wouldn't even know how to find those on the website, and I think that would be great to help people find those websites and maybe start their own campaign for that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, for uh, vendors who wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be available uh, every day of the week, um, um, a, a system in which there'd be a, a modular time-sharing uh, flexible schedule and uh, also, um, skills development, um, job training, apprenticeships, um, student employment. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, is that, I don't know. Is that enough? Uh, um, also, um, um, arts and music, um, which would be attractive to people, um, and it would attract people uh, particularly in the evenings. Um, Let's see, what else? And then, uh, um, and uh, let's see, um, also the availability of when uh, farmers and other vendors would be available to participate to have it a, 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 a week-long attraction. Great. So, so. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm doing this. All right. I'm going to just kind of go with what I think we all decided on. Um, starting from the top here, a big one um, was offering a mixed range of products, so having those sort of high-end, more boutique-y, unique kind of items to attract outside visitors, but also local folks who want to buy that. But most importantly, what we talked a lot about was having those everyday basic needs, your bread, your eggs, your milk, lettuce, et cetera, always available, kind of being, we talked about, sort of like the woodmans of local food. So you know you're going to get there. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know you're going to go, and it's going to be affordable, but it's going to be really high quality. So finding a good balance of that. Yep. And finally. Um, our group talked about possibly bridging the gap between um, 
between uh, affordability and, uh, um, sorry, to um, uh, affordable rent for for uh, vendors as possibly being um, uh, a supportive, uh, well, actually having a credit union as a partner, um, not only as a tenant, but as a as a as a community partner that might um, support the businesses in in the the public market, as well as you know have a banking facility there for people to use to increase access to in financial institutions. Um, we also talked about the possibility of the space being used as um, an ag aggregation site for fresh produce, local produce, um, in terms of. Am I getting that right, too, in terms of a, um, a, a delivery point where smaller orders could be taken out to, you know, whatever uh, individuals or, or businesses that are, you know, ordering local produce um, rather than the farmer directly delivering it to 100 places. Um, and that's two. Did we have a third one that we were – oh, and teaching and learning um, in terms of – uh, the bridging the gap between being focused on food and, and having a focus on um, uh, activities or events not necessarily related to food. We talked about um, where art supplies or craft supplies might come from and, you know, how something, uh, one plant or animal might be used in different ways as food but also as decorative arts type of thing and uh, that type of thing. Sorry. Great. Thank you very much. So. We're going to rotate in a second, not yet. Um, one thing I was reminded to mention is, you know, in the presentation I sort of pointed out that we've been doing lots of public outreach. And, um, you know, I can talk about this in more detail, uh, you know, offline. But I, I should mention that that public outreach has really been shaping the business plan and sort of shaping the direction that the project is going. So I just want to emphasize that the work that we're doing tonight uh, is really going to impact the ultimate uh, finalization of the business plan, so it's it's very important. And just to reiterate, um, make sure you're writing things down when we kind of get to these summaries where we say, what are your top three points? Somewhere on the piece of paper, write top you know top three ideas and list them. So uh, before we rotate, one thing we want to do is is have a table anchor at each table. So can one person uh, volunteer to be the table anchor who will stay at their table for each table? So so. One of you, so you, uh, I'm going to start appointing people. Megan, Jordan, Mark, uh, that guy, Jeffrey, Colin, uh, Lindsay. So you guys stay where you are. So wait, hey, don't start talking yet. Don't everybody start talking. So what we're going to do is we're going to rotate. You're all going to stand up. You're going to move to another table. The next exercise is focused on the draft floor plan. So the floor plan, as we talked about in the presentation, identifies a few different types of uses and spaces. You're going to have a conversation about those uses and spaces and uh, fill in the uh, blank areas of the large sheet of paper with ideas about them. So why don't you rotate and sit down, and then we'll talk about it again. floor plan, the actual physical space. So again, as we talked about, the, the floor plan is different types of uses, different types of spaces. Uh, there's the West Hall, which is the sort of larger space for more permanent vending stalls. The East Hall, which again is kind of the flex space, more pop-up events, uh, events, things like that. Then we've got space for, you know, larger uses of production retail, so people who might want to sell bread, but also maybe bake bread on site. And then we have the mezzanine uh, in between the two halls and the potential of a roof deck. So what we'd like you to do is look at that draft floor plan and the different spaces and use the blank areas in each of those sections to jot down ideas. So that could be a, a type of vendor that you'd like to see or type of use you'd like to see within each of those spaces or thoughts about how big or small they should be. Uh, operating structures, whatever you want, but look at the floor plan, think about those different types of spaces, jot down ideas. Again, we'll take about 15 minutes. Uh, when there's a couple minutes left, we'll try to summarize some key ideas and uh, move on to the next one. Does that make sense? Good, okay. Have at it. Like everybody's got their three ideas. So 
we're going to do another kind of quick round and uh, hear about those ideas. <clears throat> so, once again, we're going to go around and ask each table to give a summary, not of their whole discussion, but just of their three key ideas that was the uh, final outcome of their discussion. So just just give us the three biggest, the three top hits. Uh, let's start with Megan. Our first was number three. The option three is a no-brainer um, of the three options of four plans. Uh, play spaces, education spaces, and um, art spaces for families and the, the whole, um, as well as the last thing we thought was really important, especially for the West Hall, was ventilation, flow, um, the flow of sensory, so smell, taste, touch, how do those all intermingle so we can have it be a nice, oh, sound, too. Thank you. I heard the word flow a lot. That's interesting. James? Um, say our, our top three. Um, uh, we're a little concerned about the segmentation. We want a really diverse um, level of activity and offerings within each space. So kind of mix it all up and, and cause people to, to move around from place to place to see different things. Um, in, the, in the mezzanine area, we want to reserve space for community services and nonprofit organizations. Also, uh, we want incubator space to help uh, smaller vendors and newer vendors uh, become more successful and eventually then move into the, the, the permanent market space, the West Hall space. Thank you. Really two items that came up. One that came up in a lot of different areas was accessibility, getting in and out of the building, both for the permanent vendors and for the temporary ones, um, making sure that, that uh, there's an easier flow uh, than, than uh, just running into each other all the time. Um, the other thing was um, addressing vendor needs, how to handle trash, storage, all those sorts of things, and making sure that that's covered as well. Hello. Um, so what, what we talked about for the East Hall area was um, having a wellness center so maybe, oh, must be? Pardon me. Either way, um, somewhere in there, some kind of wellness center. Um, also using, and I guess the East, East Hall would be using for um, like arts and craft shows and holiday shows like train shows, that kind of thing, um, other activities. We'd also talked about the importance of children's and educational interactive areas throughout. Uh, but I guess that could also be, uh, we talked about play area up on the mezzanine and roof deck. and um, And then our extra point, which is not very serious, but it kind of was serious. We want a coffee everywhere in all sections, all the time. Coffee everywhere. Okay, I'll go next. Um, we talked about having areas in the West Hall that were like produce in one section, cheese in one section, dried goods in another. We talked about accessibility too, but not so much for the vendors, but more for the um, buyers that you need a place to sit if you need to sit. You need wide enough aisles. The, someone else mentioned the flow. We talked about that. We talked about you, putting in a glass wall for people watching the food prep as an educational tool and having the demos and free samples, etc. We talked about gathering spaces and maybe a quieter place to sit and eat or people watch. And um, we talked about a garden somewhere, including a garden. And schedule, being really clear about the schedule, having a calendar of events and having good publicity about that schedule so people knew what was going to be happening in the East Hall. Oh, and especially what vendor is going to be where. And for the garden space, that it can be like a demonstration garden that kids can learn or other people know where food comes from and how, it's, how it grows and all that. Uh, we're thinking about a co-op run by the vendors uh, as an organizational structure and possibly a co-op grocery store as part of this that would uh, vend the items that are... Uh, uh, being created there. Uh, public access to the second and third floor. We really think that that's key to making this thing work um, uh, permanently. And then uh, we're keen on having 24 by 7 restrooms, showers, and shower units. It's going to be available. It's going to help lots and lots of people in the community across all spectrums. And storage, yep.
So we talked about for the East Hall, uh, making sure that there's a, a good blend of, you know, making that an event space that could be used for, for private events, but also to make sure that there's plenty of public events there, too, so that it doesn't get, you know, so there's not always a private event there. Uh, we talked about for the West Hall, making sure that there's a good mix of ready-to-eat food in amongst the other vendors so that people will come and eat and stay um, and, you know, and think as they're halfway through their lunch, oh, yeah, I also needed to get. Um, and, and make sure that there's not, that there is seating area somewhere else that's quieter, but that there's also seating amongst the vendors so that people really are staying and spending their time in the hall with the vendors. Um, and then for the, for the uh, production and retail spaces, we had a bunch of different ideas like brew pubs and making sure you have some specialized food storage areas like cheese caves and meat hanging that could be shared by multiple vendors. Um, and, that, and that in general, in all of these areas, you focus on having shared um, facilities, shared production facilities, shared retail facilities, and that sort of thing. And then we were also very pro the uh, third option of, of the rooftop. And we talked about some funding options. Okay, so... No chains, all local. Thank you. <laughs> um, pretty, a little bit redundant, a little bit more honed in. Um, the first thing that came up was signage and, and understanding, quickly learning how the space is by having visual, um, maybe the floor is painted differently so you, know, so you know you're in this area and these are permanent areas. In the other area that's not permanent, make sure that people understand that this is a rotating dynamic space that you want to take advantage of and you want to come back to regularly, weekly. I don't want to miss what's going on over here. Um, we talked about it not being such a raw space that you couldn't really make it amenable to really good events, which then, um, you know, we thought maybe the events would be a real cash flow um, boon for the public market and every event attendee is a potential customer. The other thing is that it lends itself right away to a public market event caterer, which could be supplied by all the, a good portion of the people that are participating in the food there. So um, it's an interesting idea about the um, kind of grouping products. It's it worries me a little bit sometimes where people just, oh, I don't want to look at that kind of stuff, so I'm going to avoid that area. So we certainly talked about the flow and the discovery. Um, but that, that um, cheese in one area and wine in another area, that is kind of interesting. If anybody has been to Italy in Chicago or in New York City, it's a pretty exciting place to go and really discover food, and having it somewhat differentiated is helpful. Thank you. Oh. Sarah? One idea that we talked about was in kind of how do you work between or can you work really well between the mezzanine roof deck ideas and the production retail space? And could there be like this schedule of demonstrations and education and information so that not only would people learn about the products and how to prepare them, but also maybe learning about agriculture and, you know, that, like, these crops grow like this or these animals do these kind of things. And so that it would be like a learning space, too, and then people could want to buy those things also. So, but kind of melding the mezzanine roof deck area with the production retail in some sort of organized way. Very cool. Thank you. Um, great job. So uh, we've got one more, uh, the last exercise, which is the next piece of paper. So, again, table anchor, stay where you are. Everybody else rotate and sit with a different group. Again, find your seats. And we will start the third and final exercise of the evening. So as you can see, this exercise is really about uh, a few kind of broad discussion questions. So what we'd like you to do is, you know, work with your group and uh, come up with some ideas in response to these four questions and use the blank space next to them. Um, you know, I think what we'll do when we do the reporting out is you can pick two. And uh, when you do the, you know, jot down your ideas for all four, but when we do the reporting out, um, you, you can pick two. And if you want to, as a group, just talk about two, that's fine, too. But uh, the questions hopefully are relatively self-explanatory. Um, so I'll let you get started.
Uh, so pencils down, everybody. Uh, so uh, hopefully you all uh, came up with your two questions that you want to answer. So we're going to go around the room one more time and uh, give, uh, again, the two uh, responses to the two questions that you selected. Let's start over here. All right. So we're going to talk about question number two. We talked about the organizational structure of the actual organization, of how what's running the market and how that's happening, slash the organization of the space and how it's how it's visually accessible as, and physically accessible to um, all different community members and tourists and visitors alike. Um, and then we went to the third question, and we talked about involving a large group of people, all different socioeconomic classes and race and ethnicities in the decision-making at every level, as well as the sharing their culture and history and music on the other end. Very nice. Two and three, so concerns, um, really concerned that it, that it has the potential to become just for tourists or really focused on just specialty shopping when it really needs to meet the daily food needs of the community. Um, needs to be affordable, accessible for low and moderate income folks. And then number three, um, I, we really talked about making sure that both the vendors as well as staff um, that takes care of the place are all recruited from target populations, so uh, interpret that how you will. All right, uh, Jordan. Uh, we also talked about two and three. So a concern that this group had is that the public market be, could be trying to do too much in one space, so being a, a place for tourists, a place for local folks, a place for kids, a place that's quiet, a place that's loud and bustling. Um, and so really, I guess, just trying not to do everything all at once, but let it develop organically to some degree and, and don't necessarily develop the entire space all at once, um, kind of see how it goes. And then for uh, item three, we focus on expanding opportunities for entrepreneurs, possibly those entrepreneurs who have never had an entry to start their own business, but maybe somebody who's um, from a low-income background or, um, you know, people of color who maybe just haven't ever had the opportunities to access the kind of funding or business or um, funding support or, you know, how to start and maintain a business. And so that could just continued startup resources and then the continued support to, to um, increase chances of being successful. So the two big ideas we came up with were, one, this being a catalyst for local uh, startups. I think it's a great idea, a great opportunity, something that excites, excites us about the opportunity for many different businesses to, to spring up out of this idea, um, the public market district, not just the building itself. And the other one would be Madison, creating a Madison multicultural focal point. Um, basically, you know, there's not many places that are, you know, iconically Madison that bring people together and the place where you know different multicultures can get together and discuss things and but this would be an opportunity to use food to bring us together. I mean we all have to eat. So this is an opportunity for everyone to come together um and be something that's uniquely Madison. Very cool. All right, so for question number one, a uh, few things that inspired and excited our group is that it was close, it was on the east side, and it was accessible by bike, bus, and walking. Uh, some of the concerns uh, we had uh, were uh, in the traffic, so really when you're talking about accessibility by car, how to get into the site, how much parking is going to be available. Uh, we also talked about um, how uh, the public market could help uh, support the small businesses. So if we really are concentrating on those uh, entrepreneurs, how do we make sure we have not only the uh, services, but what other functions could a public market serve? One example was, you know, if there's one type of product that all vendors need uh, in the market, could the public market buy those products as a kind of a wholesale, almost like a buying club type of thing on behalf of, of those small vendors? So 
So we also talked about parking, and I know that was addressed in the uh, report that came out, and they figured out how there was close to 300 parking spots or something like that, but they didn't seem like they were necessarily um, appropriate for the space. So I think that's a big concern, trying to figure that out as far as parking is concerned. The other thing uh, was really question number three, but it went into a few different directions as far as uh, uh, developing opportunities for challenging populations is uh, the component of education. So looking for opportunities to educate uh, people on, on why it's appropriate to use local business, why it's uh, to develop food here and how somebody talked about where the milk comes from. It doesn't come from a carton. It comes from a cow. Um, you know, so just basic training like that as well. Um, we were really excited that of the location of the public market because there's so much going for it. I mean, um, and we're talking about everything coming down to um, the smallest denominator, local foods that are that are um, that are grown around here, locally grown, locally. This it's all located in a beautiful neighborhood, very easily accessible by. Um, mass transit and pedestrian and um, bike trails, pit bike trails, and um, it's a very diverse community there already. Easy to get there by bus. It, there's lots to be excited about. There's a, we've got this big, beautiful space, and next to that, a beautiful park, and then a river, and, um, and it's, we really wanted to encourage the diversity of the community that's already there. And um, one of the ways was through um, uh, something that Una said. <laughs> yeah. We also talked about incorporating ongoing efforts um, for outreach, so continuing discussions like this in order to make sure that the space um, continues to stay accountable to some of these questions that have been asked, especially in terms of racial equity and racial disparities in Madison. Um, so that it's not something that's statics or, or flexible and that some of any issues that arise can be worked out through community spaces. Great, great point. Um, let's go over here. Oh, we already did. Any other? Yeah, right. Who, who hasn't gone? Sorry, I guess it's number three, but uh, we wanted to just say we're concerned about the, the distance to 2021, if that is the long-term one, only because the excitement that we're experiencing here in 2015 could wane, vendors might um, falter, et cetera. Right. That, no, that's a great point. And how do we kind of keep the momentum? And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, Mad City Bazaar is a great vehicle for that. And, um, you know, the idea of provisional space is something we've started to talk about. Has everybody reported out on this one? Great. Uh, so it's uh, almost 8.30, so, um, you know, we're, our time together is coming close. But just wanted to kind of offer one last opportunity. If, if there's anybody who came here tonight and there was something that you wanted to share about the project and you just haven't quite had the opportunity to through these exercises or any just last questions, just wanted to maybe take the last five minutes and just kind of open up the floor to any uh, final thoughts or um, last questions. Uh, we had people filling out the poll online, but we didn't have anybody submit any questions. Is that correct? Yeah. So we had. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, the polling results are. Um, and thank you to the to our, our our city channel crew for covering the event this evening. Great job. <clears throat> a new a new era for the city of uh, you don't have to show up in person. This is the first one I came to about the public market, although I've been to the bazaar and I live in the neighborhood itself where this is happening. I just wanted to find, ask, ask a question. Has, has art been talked about quite a bit in the process so far? And if, and you, you know, if not, I think that, that um, there has to be incorporation of public art and, and included along with the food um, food issues and, and have that be together. Also, um, if there's going to be gar garden, if we can use garden space, um, not in the building itself necessarily, but right next to it, so that um, it can be at least a demo site for 
kids and other people who don't have access to gardens and how food grows. Yeah, so actually that yeah so so uh so two two good questions there so the first one the first one was about art and uh y yeah um you know we did a lot of uh, vendor outreach specifically targeted towards artists again and, you know i keep referring to mad city bazaar but megan um you know coming from the art world and leading the mad city bazaar effort i think that ultimately we're hoping to kind of continue to integrate that energy into the project and then i think you know not only vendors maybe selling art but the idea of displays and maybe some gallery space in the building and, you know, galleries on hallways. We've had some good discussions about, you know, kind of interpretive uh, sort of city history displays as part of the project. So I think that's definitely something. And then on the garden question, uh, yeah, there was somebody who was like sort of squatting gardening on the uh, Madison sewerage property. And to the credit of the Madison sewerage district, they just let them do it, which was pretty cool. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, right. It, it was, you know, and I think there's there's no shortage of uh, relatively open land in the area, so um, some garden space is certainly something that um, I think people want to see. There is the idea of the of the roof garden too. So yes, Brian. Good questions. Yeah, good, good question. Um, that's one, you know, where we are we are working with a consulting team on the project who's, you know, developing uh, the details of the business plan, and they have a lot of case studies that they're kind of pointing to. Um, and one thing that has emerged from the local food committee's discussions uh, is asking them for more of that, um, more case studies. There are, frankly, a lot of public markets that don't work um, for a variety of reasons. These are fragile, so we have to be very thoughtful of that. Um, you know, this isn't – yes. Yeah, like why do they fail, you know, for example? Um, and there's a few reasons for that, but, um, but we're, we're trying to be very thoughtful of that and, and certainly look to examples. Well, it's exactly 8.30, so I hope everybody had a good time, uh, and this was interesting. Um, I guess just a couple of closing thoughts, closing things. So next week on June 3rd, same time and location, there's going to be another meeting. This one is really geared towards prospective tenants and vendors. So those of you who are interested in this as a place to do business, the discussion will be a little bit different. We'll get a little bit more into the details of, like, rents and types of spaces and those kinds of things. So if you want to start having those discussions, and there'll be future opportunities if you can't make it, but we are trying to get, you know, some prospective vendors and tenants to come. Again, that's here again next week on June 3rd at, at 6.30. And then finally, um, if you signed in and gave your email, if it's okay, we'll add you to our email list, uh, and then you'll get periodic updates about the project. Again, the really near-term next steps are finalizing the business plan, getting that approved by the Common Council, and then uh, moving forward with implementation. Uh, and then finally, you know, as I said before, and I hope is clear, this input is going to be really helpful as we uh, finalize the business plan and move forward. You know, we will, uh, you know, Peggy has some magical person who, like, takes these things and types them up. So we'll do that, and we'll share it and post it on the website and stuff like that. So um, thanks again for coming. There's some business cards of mine up front. Um, Feel free to take one, and if, again, reach out anytime if you want to meet offline and have a cup of coffee and talk about this. Um, happy to do that. So thanks again for coming. Give yourselves a round of applause for all your hard work. <laughs>